Well, good morning and welcome to Tri-Cities Church. Hey, my name is Wesley. If this is your first time here, we welcome you. Uh, in your seat, there should have been uh, cards that uh, they got spaces where you can put out any kind of information that you feel comfortable putting on the front. Uh, we just like to know that you're here. So even if you just want to put your name here on, on that card. Uh, also on the back, you can write a prayer request. If there's anything going on in your life that uh, you want us to be praying with you about, um, please write that and just share whatever you want to share uh, uh, with us on those cards. And, and those go in these buckets that are on the table. And when we, when we take communion after the sermon, uh, those buckets on the table are for, um, for offering, and also you can drop those in there as well. Well, I'm excited this morning because we are beginning a new series here, and uh, when we started, uh, uh, the, when the service started, it was, it was pretty thin here, and I, and I was thinking, uh, did, did the word get out that I was talking about money this morning? You know, uh, <laughs> you talk about money, you know, this is one of the things you just don't mess with people's money. And so for four weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. But let me tell you, you're in the right place, even though we're talking about money. We're not talking about God controlling your money, right? We're talking about the way God wants us to order our lives so we can be blessed in financial ways. We don't talk about it often here. I say it at Tri-Cities Church. I've kind of developed this phrase. I say, we don't make a big deal out of giving. We, uh, we've passed the plate once in the history of Tri-Cities Church. So we don't make a big deal out of giving. And we're not going to pass the plate every Sunday and those kind of things, at least not that we have any plans of doing. I can never say never. Um, but, uh, but giving is a big deal. Ordering our lives financially is a big deal. Um, um, being in, in God's will in a financial way is a big deal. Um, and, and primarily because of this, right? And if you've ever been in a, in a dark or difficult or hard place financially, you realize how consuming that can be. Right. And when the scriptures talk about the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, right, for us to be consumed, burdened, weighed down in such a way, um, that's not freedom. Right. And so I believe very firmly and when we read the scriptures, the scriptures teach us uh, kind of a pathway towards financial freedom. And it begins with honoring God. So let's let's pray and then we'll get into our message for this morning. God, we give you thanks this morning um, that you've uh, given us this space and this time and this um, this opportunity to gather here and to study the scriptures. And God, we just sang a song that says, you are the source of our strength. And God, I pray that that might be so. But it won't just be strength for us to go through difficult and dark times in our lives, but that it will be strength for us to approach boldly your word, your will, and to live obediently in a way that honors you. So yeah, God, please give us strength. Be the source of our strength. That we might read your scriptures, understand them, and apply them to our lives. That we might live more fully so that our lives here on earth glorify our God, our Father who is in heaven. It's in your Son, Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Now, every modern civilization uses some form of currency, right? You got, um, you got in Japan, you have the, the yen, I think it is, or South Africa, the rand, and, uh, and, and European nations, you have the euro. Every, every modern civilization uses some form of 
of currency. I mean, you could even say that money makes the world go round. It contributes to the stability of a, of a nation, the stability of a country. It makes the infrastructure able to be strong. And it's the reason why we're able to have uh, uh, the luxuries like, uh, and we don't think of these as luxuries. We think of these as just, yeah, oh, oh yeah, we're supposed to have that, right? Running water, right? Air conditioned buildings. We have electricity. We have internet. We have Google fiber going in, right? We have all these different things um, that are happening ultimately because of money, right? Money allows for those kind of things. It contributes to the stability of a place. It improves the quality of life. Uh, it, it improves, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go with that. I'll go there. A quality of life, and, and it depends on how we're measuring quality of life because you can be without those things, and I don't want to ever communicate that, that, that we have to have these things, right? Certain infrastructure and luxuries, really, running water, heat, air condition, in order to have a high quality of life. But these things that we've gotten used to, that we associate with the quality of our life, right, all those things are, are deeply dependent upon our currency. They're deeply dependent upon the dollar, its strength, right? And so in this, in this society that we're in, money makes the world go round. Now, there's a great um, philosopher, um, the notorious uh, B.I.G., Biggie Smalls, right? He once said, what? More money, more problems, right? He's notorious for saying that, right? More money, more problems. And here's what, what he realized in his own life was that the more he went through life, right? And the more money he made, the more problems that he encountered, right? And it seemed almost like it was like you could almost predict it, right? As I, as I face this, right? More problems, more money, more problems, and, and more hardship, and more struggle, and more trial as a result of this money. And now I think that's a flawed way of thinking, right? Let me, let me, just, let me just say that. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that's a flawed way of thinking. I disagree with him. The, thing, the problem is we have more problems when we have dollars without cents. When we have dollars without cents. You see, the problem isn't money. It's how we use our money. The problem isn't money. It's how we manage our money. The problem isn't money. It's what we do with it. This morning, we're beginning a new series. We're simply calling it Dollars and Cents. And really what we're looking with it is how the scriptures teach us to order our lives for financial freedom. How we can order our lives for financial freedom. Now, there's over 800 scriptures in the Bible that have to do with money. Over 800 scriptures from beginning to end. God is challenging us in the ways that we think about our, our money. He's giving us some sense, some biblical sense. Now, one of the things I don't want to do in this series is I don't want to go against whatever financial book uh, uh, that you've read and that's blessed your life, maybe, and different systems that you have, unless those things go against Scripture. Um, But what I am going to challenge you is to look at the Scriptures first, right? Because the Bible teaches us a lot about how to order our lives in regards to money. And in fact, God wants us to be financially free. Right? He doesn't want us to be burdened down, right? And so when I talk about financial freedom, I'm just talking about uh, kind of avoiding the pitfalls and hardships, the avoidable pitfalls and hardships financially in our lives. Because it, here's, here's, if you've ever been through it, and I kind of mentioned this at the very beginning, if you've ever been in a financially difficult place or, or hard place or challenging place, right, it, it can literally suck the life out of you, right? It can feel like you're constantly climbing an uphill journey, Every day, it's almost like a fight for your life. And that's not the way God intended for us to go through life. God intended for us to more and more, as we discover his word, 
read his word, understand it, apply it to our lives, that we find ourselves freer in all areas of our lives. Now, that does not mean that God is going to, as you obey him, that he is going to bless you financially with more money, because if that's the logic that we're coming at it with, right, then the saying is true, more money, more problems, right? If more is the solution to our lack and our need, right, then if more is the solution first, then we're going to have more problems as we utilize that more to fill our need. The, the, The answer here is that God has chosen Um, or or taught us particular ways that we can order our lives for for freedom. To order our lives for freedom. And so, yeah, for four weeks in this series, we're going to read the scriptures. We're going to look at different principles. And, And the thing I want you to see at the very onset of this series is that God does not want to control your money. Right? God does not want to control your money. But here's the thing. God does not want your money controlling you either. Right? God doesn't want your money controlling you either. Because that's what easily happens. It's very consuming. And our lives are consumed with the pursuit of, with how we're going to spend, with how we're going to get out of debt. God doesn't want our actions, our lives controlled by our money. He wants us to be free to live in a way that we can honor him and glorify him through our lives. Now, I think at the, at the very beginning of this, of this series as well, another thing I have to say that I think has to be the foundation for us. And it's a simple belief, right, in words, but it's a little bit more difficult in practice. And that's the belief that God is for you, right? God is for you. God loves you. God wants the best for you. God is all about your good, right? God is looking out for the good of you, right? And God is for you. And that calls from us a a certain kind, a, a peculiar kind of trust of God, right? It's calling us to trust him with everything that is within us. And so when the scriptures challenge us to follow Jesus Christ, to live in certain lives, that we follow Jesus Christ, to identify ourselves as Christians, as followers of Christ, really what the scriptures are challenging us to do, and really what we're saying by wearing that title, right? Because the title's not important. The Bible's not saying um, 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 wear a title so that everybody knows that you identify yourself as a Christian. But it's saying live in certain kind of way that it's clear that you believe in Jesus Christ, that you trust him with your whole life. And if we trust him and we believe that he is for us, then that penetrates our actions at the very core, right? And the things that we do in the way that we live our lives. And so when we talk about money, because money is one of those things that people are like, that's kind of hands off. You don't talk about people's money. You don't touch people's money. You don't mess with people's money. That's a good way to lose a friendship. It's a good way to ruin a relationship, right? A number of us have relationships that have been ruined over money. And see, God wants us to be, um, he wants us to be living our lives in such a way that we're trusting him. Right? We're saying, yeah, maybe I'm not going to trust this person or this person with my money, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe what he says in his scriptures. I'm going to try him at his word, right? I'm going to see what the Bible says about money, and I'm going to trust that, follow that with my all, believing that God is for me. And that's what the scriptures are challenging us to do, to believe that God is for him and saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to try things God's way. 
I'm going to honor him in this way with my with my money. And so as we go through this series all four weeks, I want to challenge you to to do that and even even to be um, because this is something that that we can't really do publicly, at least we don't do publicly. But that's to be self-aware enough to recognize the areas where we fail to trust God. And typically these are areas where I take control, right, or you take control and you try to work it out on your own by your own wisdom, your own knowledge and recognize those areas and be honest with yourself, right? This is an area where I struggle to allow God to take control, right? And just admit that if that's you. Be open to it and then be working through that. Be praying and saying, God, help me to be more open to you in this area of my life, that you can take control, that you can have your way and your will in my life in this area. Because listen to this scripture, and this is really where we're going to jump off in this series. Matthew chapter 6. I want you to see this in verse 19. Listen to what it says. It says, do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin. I love that word vermin. Like who uses, I don't even know sure what that is. Some kind of bug, I guess. Um, <clears throat> moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also you see what we learn in our in society right and just by our regular our our human logic and our human knowledge is that when we get money some people they store it in their mattress right some people they they will stick it under their mattress and their sofas i I keep hearing these stories about these people that have like they um open stuff up like cushions and they stick their money in there and they sew it back up they think that nobody's going to get to it right they have it in these bank accounts and we we ultimately begin putting our trust our hope in those things because we want to protect it but what the scriptures are saying is 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 something a little bit different right and it's saying um and it's not against, and I don't want to communicate that either. It's not against having a savings account, right? If, if you have a savings account, God is not saying don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Go clear your savings account today, right? That's not what he's saying. But he's saying don't put your hope in your treasure that you have stored up here on earth, right? Because that's going to decay, right? Fire will come, right? That is, that is only temporary. That can be destroyed. So don't put your hope, your trust, your all in that, but rather learn to follow the ways of God because that is the only trustworthy place for us to put our hope, right? For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And, and, I, and, I, and I think we can even go so far as to say, because he says where your treasure is, right? Where, where you store your treasure, where you view real treasure, treasure to be right almost like that becomes a compass for our hearts right that becomes a, a, a center point that our lives gravitate towards right and so as long as we're putting our hope and trust in in, in, a, in a bank account in, in a job that provides us money in an inheritance and in, in money stuffed in cushions as long as we're putting our hope and trust in that that our heart will never fully be oriented to god but it's only as we're open to god and say hey i'm putting my hope and trust fully in you and i'm believing regardless of how things on this earth turn out that my treasure is in heaven as i follow you that it's only that that frees us up to orient our lives toward god's will it seems to me like the bible's teaching us 
that money plays a much larger role in our lives than we could ever recognize. And it just almost doesn't make sense. But as long as we're still trusting in our own logic, our own ways, our own knowledge and wisdom and not God's, we'll never be oriented towards God. So the first thing I want you to see in this series is that financial freedom is first about our mindset. It's all about a mindset. It's all about changing our mind. And I thought a lot about this this week and read the scriptures a lot this week. And I was trying to find a practical way of doing this. And I'm just looking really at my own life, my own experience, and even the people that I've spoken with and their own experience as well. And at the scriptures. And, and it seems that through as we go through life almost instinctively, that as human beings, almost instinctively, that we form these categories in our lives um, of um, categories that almost, they're kind of like layers of significance in our lives. And I think we even have a, a chart for that. Um, yeah, these layers of significance, right? You have, in, in no particular order really here, um, uh, uh, but we have these four different layers. You have a spiritual layer, and that has to do with God and worship and church and whatever your spiritual practice is, praying and, and reading the scriptures and those kind of things, maybe even having a Bible study group of some sort. I mean, that's one layer of significance in our lives. Another layer is the relational layer, right? And that may be your spouse, your kids, your family, your friends, right? We all have that to some degree. We have relationships. And that's another thing that's significant in most people's lives. Then there's a financial layer that has to do with your job, your house your car, uh, your savings, right? Those kind of things, how you are doing financially. That's, that's another area of significance in people's lives. And then I got this miscellaneous level up there, but um, layer that's kind of like pets, hobbies, and just stuff that we accumulate, right? As we go through life, we just kind of accumulate all kinds of stuff. And, and that all goes in that miscellaneous. And these different layers of significance, there's always, um, we have these different layers of significance, and it can be ordered different ways, right? Um, and so it may not be ordered that way, right? Relationships may be above spiritual for some people. Financial may be above spiritual or in between relationships. You know, it's ordered different ways. And almost instinctively, as we go through life, the order of these things begins to change. And it almost seems like we, we, at some point in different stages and phases in life, like we pluck one thing out of a layer and we elevate it to the top, right? Where it becomes our priority. The thing at the top is your priority. I love the fact somebody said once, because we were talking about our priorities, like you can only have one thing at the top. You can really only have one priority. And so as we go through life, there's different things that are almost plucked out of this layer of significance that we have, and it's elevated to the top, and that becomes the thing that shapes other decisions, right? And so each layer begins shaping the layers that come under it, right? So let me just give you a couple of examples. One might be uh, when, a person, um, when, a, when a person falls in love, right? And maybe you've, you've I'm sure you've been there, um, and maybe you've experienced this with a child. But when a person falls in love, it might be uh, just deep attraction. It may be infatuation, but whatever. When somebody's in a new relationship and they fall in love, a lot of times that relationship is elevated to the top, right? That person might stop going to church. They might stop uh, spending time 
uh, reading their Bible or praying. They may stop hanging out with their friends and their friends are like, I've been here through thick and thin. And here's this guy or here's this girl showed up yesterday. And now you're turning your back on me. You know, you're not going to the movies with me. We don't talk on the phone anymore. All that kind of stuff. And this person seems to go on the top. Right. And that often happens when a person falls in love. Yeah, it becomes your priority. This person that you're in love with becomes your priority. Now, in, in my relationship with Kim, this is exactly what happened. When I started dating her, I was a student right here at Point uh, University. And uh, when, I, when I started dating her, listen, I had a, um, I just bought a brand new car. It wasn't even a year old. I just bought a brand new car. Right. And I had um, I had a, a pretty decent savings account for a student. I worked at Home Depot all four years of college. Um, and, and so I had a pretty decent savings account. Um, I, I had started retirement savings. I was only 19 or 20. Right. I had a pretty decent retirement savings uh, going um, and, and I had my life on course. Right. I was focused on my financial future. That was one of the top things uh, for me. When we got married. Right. I was driving a car that was 23 years old. Right. Uh, my retirement savings was totally depleted. I cashed that in. Right. Uh, and, and my my uh, my savings account. It, it was it was uh, it was not a happy sight. Right. Things totally changed. Right. I didn't take. Kim to uh, um, Bankhead Seafood, right? We went to Buckhead, right? We went to Atlanta Fish Market. We went, I whined and dined her. I thought I was going to show this girl that I knew everything about her. You know, I would have my life together. I was just a college student. She would have understood that. But I thought I had to prove myself. And I spent my money because that was my priority, right? And before you know it, I have no savings, right? Friends are like, what's going on? Are we still friends? I don't ever see you anymore. This girl is coming to your life and everything has changed. That's become a priority. And I think some of us have stories like that to tell. Hopefully I'm not the only one standing up here at that story, right? Some of us have stories to tell, right? Because when we fall in love and almost instinctively, right, you almost don't even have to, I mean, you almost, it's not like an intentional decision. It's not like I'm going to diss my friends, right? Because this girl, you know, it's not like that. It's not like, oh, I'm spending all my money. It's, you turn around and you realize, oh, this has become a priority for me. And now there's, there's, uh, there's consequences, right? There are things that are happening as a result of that. And it's shaping the other decisions that we make in our life. Another time that this happens in people's lives and another major life change is when a person has their first child, right? A newborn baby. That child becomes their world, right? It's elevated all the way to the top. It's the most significant thing for them. And the sad thing that I see happening over and over again is that intimacy and romance often goes out the door, right? This child is here, right? The relationship revolves right here. And often the husband, wife, whichever one, right? The child becomes top, but the spouse, even though it's right there, kind of in the middle, becomes all the way down there with the pets and hobbies, right? It feels totally neglected, totally left out because that thing becomes their priority. And often, and this message is about money and not necessarily about relationships, but let me just go ahead and say this. Often in a family, what happens is when, when a couple has children, right, before they have children, they're all about one another, right? Date nights and um, all their money goes into their own kind of whatever they like to do, hobbies and stuff like that. And they have romance and intimacy. They sit down together. They communicate. But then they have children, right? And the world revolves around those children, and they don't recognize how far they've grown apart. So watch that. Watch that, because the thing that becomes your priority ultimately shapes everything that happens beneath it. It begins to shape every single layer beneath it. 
Because the brain works like that, right? We have these different layers in our mind. And they're layers of significance. Something's going to be a priority for us. Then there's going to be other things that come under that. But whatever's at the bottom is shaped by everything that's above it. And the thing that's at the top is going to shape everything that's below it. Now, the reason why this is significant this morning is because often the challenge for us is to find the proper layer for money, right? The challenge for us is to find the proper place for money in our lives. And often, and and this is, does make almost logical sense, right? Because we see the way our our nation, our country is dependent upon money for infrastructure, for, um, for quality of life, for well-being. So we might have the things we need in our luxuries, right? We see what happens when money is lacking or when it's absent, that, that we know that it's significant. And so often it gets elevated to the priority place, right? The place of priority in our lives, it, it gets elevated to the top. And before we know it, we begin making decisions that are based solely on finances, not on our relationships, right? With other people, not on our relationships with God, but it's based solely on money. You see, the, the, the effect that money has is that it will creep its way up to the top. And it's so deceptive. It's so deceptive in thinking that if we answer to it, then it will solve all of our life's problems. If we answer to it, it will solve all of our life's problems. You see, our, and it's a, a myth, a lie, whichever one you want to call it, that's prevalent in our culture. And that's that the good life is affordable. That the good life has a dollar sign on it. And it's just not true. The good life has no dollar sign. There's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 30, and I'm just going to turn there and and I just want to challenge you with this this scripture. And it's not going to be on the slide, so you might want to jot it down. Or if you have your own Bible, you can turn there. Um, But Proverbs chapter 30, verse verse 7. I don't think it's on the slides. Um, Listen to what it says. It says, um, sorry, I'm in Psalms. This is why I don't do uh, impromptu scriptures that weren't planned on. (laughs) I looked at it and I said, that's not what I was planning on reading. Uh, Proverbs chapter 30, verse 7, it says, Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not refuse me before I die. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and dishonor the name of my God. That is a powerful, powerful scripture because what it's teaching us is that here's the effect that money has, right? I, I will chase after it. I will go after it. And when I get exactly what I want, right, that money that affords the good life, right, when I, when I get enough, right, um, um, th- then I might have too much and disown you, forget about you, because my decisions are being shaped by my priority, the thing that's become at the top, the thing that I've pursued with my all. My decisions have become shaped by that, And I'm disowning you. He says, I may get too much or have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and still and dishonor the name of my Lord. 
And the Bible is teaching us that either extreme is a difficult and dangerous place to be. Right? And what he prays there, the prayer, and I believe this is a, I believe this is a prayer of a mature um, a mature believer, right? And once we get to the point where we can honestly and genuinely pray this prayer, um, uh, 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 keep falsehood from my lies, from, from, from falsehood and lies from me, give me neither, this one, give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Isn't that the same thing Jesus taught us to pray? Give us today our daily bread to live lives where we rely on God for tomorrow and not be so wrapped up in how much we have today that we're blinded from seeing what God wants to do in our lives, through our lives. Give us this day our daily bread. You see, it's deceptive, especially when we begin putting money at the top. Because here's the thing. Is that money is ruthless, it's greedy, it never has enough. It's never going to say, you've gotten enough of me, right? It's never going to say, you've had your fill. It's only going to say, there's more to be gotten, keep pursuing. And the Bible's teaching us this, and it's a very important lesson for us to get. And that's whatever our priority is. Ultimately, it will be our master. Whatever our priority is, ultimately, it will be our master. And look at what Matthew chapter 6 says in verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He says that as long as it's up here for us at the top, we're going to become its servants. I told you already, God doesn't want to control your money, but he does not want it controlling you. He does not want it mastering you because that's a quick road to a difficult place. Even though it gives the illusion of being a beautiful, easy, well-paved road, it's a quick road to a difficult place. And so scriptures are challenging us, yeah, to make God our priority and allow God to shape all of our decisions that come under that. So when God is our priority, he determines how we act in our relationships. He he determines how we forgive and how we give generously to people and how we show grace and how we um, are kind and compassionate. He shapes that. When God is our priority, he shapes the way we think about our money and our finances and the way we give generously in that area and the way that we don't have such strong attachments to the things of this world that we're unable to grab hold of the things of God. You see, when God is our enough, when we're trusting him for our daily bread, we're more free to trust him and to live him for him and to follow him in this life. This is a huge thing for us. And the reason we started this series this way and the reason I wanted to lay it out in this very kind of um, practical but also spiritual way and in the following weeks we'll have like practical steps. These are things that you can actually do with your money. But we must start in the mind. We must start with perspective because until that's right, 
We cannot honor God. I love Romans chapter, chapter 12, and this wasn't planned either. I'm going to stop going off of, my, um, off of my notes. But Romans chapter 12, let me turn there real quick. Romans chapter 12, it says, um, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind, then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. It begins in the mind with perspective. You see, we live in the wealthiest nation in the wealthiest time ever in history. Even people who or when we struggle in this world. We still are living in luxury in comparison to others. Even when we feel like we're in need and we have to beg, we're still living in luxury in comparison to others. Because we live in the wealthiest time and the wealthiest nation in this world. It makes it very difficult for us to set boundaries and say, I have enough and now I can give. It makes it difficult for us to say, I have enough. Now I can cut back on the number of hours that I'm putting in and I can spend time with my family. I can spend time with my church. I can spend time with my friends. It makes it very difficult for us to get to that point where we can say, I have enough. Therefore, I can make God my priority. The Bible is challenging us to believe very firmly and wholeheartedly to trust God that he is enough and to pray that prayer every day. Give us today our daily bread. You are enough and not to make money an idol of ours, a God of ours, the thing at the top. Because here's the thing with idols. The Bible talks a lot about idols in the Old Testament. And I know idols in the Old Testament and the Bible especially were kind of stone images that people worshipped but by definition an idol is ultimately everything anything that has our affection right anything that has our affection and distracts us from giving our affection our attention to god and here's the problem with idols because the ten commandments even in the very foundation of of the scriptures uh, the ten commandments teach us not to have any idols right and here's the problem there is that idols are unable to hold up under the weight of our expectation. And so we place all this expectation on our money, all this expectation on dollars and our jobs and gaining more. And we have all our expectation in this idea that the good life is affordable and that as I pursue it and attain it, that I will have a better, higher quality of life. And those idols will crush under our expectation. They will deeply disappoint us. They will let us down. You see, the scriptures are challenging us to put our hope, our trust in God, to believe in him, to put him at the top and to allow him to shape our decisions that come after that. And so I have a challenge for you this week. Um, Because the scripture says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Sit down this week and look at your bank statement. Right? Consider your finances. Maybe sit down with your spouse. Well, if you are married, sit down with your spouse. 
Consider your finances. Because the scripture is saying, don't store up treasures on earth. I'm not saying that it's saying don't have savings. We're going to talk about savings. So make sure you're here for all four weeks. We're going to talk about savings because the Bible is all about some savings. (laughs) I'm just going to say that. Um, But sit down and look at your bank statement. And just answer this question. Is there anything there that says, I trust God? Is there anything there that you could point to that says, I trust God? Other than the fact that you've spent every last dime and you're having to trust God for some more, right? (laughs) That one doesn't count. (laughs) But is there anything there that says, I trust God? Because where your treasure is, the Bible is teaching us, there your heart will be also. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks this morning that you've given us this opportunity to study the scriptures. And God, this, yeah, money is a difficult thing for us. Because it paints this illusion, right? That the more I have, the better off I am. That I can afford a better quality of life for me and for my family and for my wife and for my kids and for everything. Everyone. It paints this illusion that the more I have, the better off I am. And God, I just pray that as we read the scriptures and as we go through this series, that you will break that idea down. And God, that you will help us to see that the more we have of you, right, the closer we draw to you, the more we draw near to you, God, the more we honor you with our lives, the more we submit to you, the more we discover your will, the more we let go of the things of this world and grab hold of you, the better off we are. God, please help us to see that, to trust that, to follow you, to honor you with everything that is within us. In your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.